Welcome to the Marshall Proof Podcast and your week in IndyCar, a listener, a Q and a. I am not Barry White uh, with my deep, soulful voice, uh, but I, yeah, I am me. Uh, some kind person gave me whatever it is that they have, uh, cold or flu, I don't know. Uh, taken a couple COVID tests and they've all been negative, thankfully. But uh, yeah, so uh, I'm struggling a little bit on energy. And I might be coughing because I've been coughing a lot. Uh, but hey, we're going to try and do an episode here. I wanted to do this this morning, but admittedly, I was totally wiped out. So, with another little sip of coffee, uh, I say we fire into the week in IndyCar show here. Brought to us by Cooper Tires, Discount Tire, TorontoMotorsports.com, and the Justice Brothers. Makers of Simply Amazing Automotive and Tractor and just every application possible, chemicals and lubricants. Uh, Hey, before we dive into your questions, of which there are many, and many of them are Alex Pelosi-centric, but not all of them, thankfully, uh, why don't we do a little bit of silly season stuff, which we don't do very often. Uh, Normally, uh, we don't do a ton of silly season stuff to start the show, but... Uh, we're going to do just that. It is Monday night at 9.48 p.m. Eastern, sitting here in my hotel in Indianapolis. <coughs> and I thought I was going to get so caught up on a bunch of things. And it's been a really busy day. Uh, I have had my phone plugged into the charger constantly because, um, yeah, been busy. Uh, let's see. Spoke about a number of things over the weekend, leading into last weekend, about the Alex Polo situation. Uh, I'll probably save most of that for um, uh, some of your questions here. can tell you that, as I mentioned in the pre-race video that we shot, silly season video that we shot on Racer.com, mentioned that on top of Alex wanting to stay with Chip Ganassi Racing, which we revealed or broke or whatever it should be called, um... Had heard that he's signed, so not just a desire to stay, but has actually put pen to paper or digital fingerprint signing to paper, digital PDF something. Um, have only continued to hear that, yes, Alex has indeed signed to stay with Chip Ganassi Racing and on a long-term deal. So the long-term would be new piece of information since I last spoke on this. I don't have the duration to tell you. I've just been hearing that it's a long-term deal. Been some other rumors going around that <coughs> Honda Japan has gotten involved here because they're going back to Formula One in a couple of years and they want to keep Alex and to have him do some F1 test driving and development and other stuff with their new power plant and I don't know if that's real or not. It seems a little bit far-fetched. But yeah, that's another thing I've heard. The Alex staying with Ganassi, I'll go ahead and say I expect that to be 100% true. Um, It being not a short thing, but a longer-term thing, that sounds like something the team would want to do, knowing all the nonsense they've dealt with with him. Uh, saying, hey, if we're going to do this, we're really going to do this. We're not going to go through this every year. Um, granted, 
Now, the way Alex has handled himself and trying to force himself, force his way out of thing after thing, that's still something he could try and do if he grows dissatisfied. But we'll just go ahead and go with that being something that makes sense. Um, here's the new thing that has consumed a decent amount of time today. And I say that in a positive way. Uh, I've heard that, don't put this as a fact. Um, don't put this as, I don't even know what percentage to give to it, but as it's been described to me a couple of ways, this sounds very possible. Could Chip Ganassi Racing hold on to a New Zealand, Spain, and Swedish lineup? Absolutely. Scott Dixon, I think, signed this year for two, three more years. We know about Polo, which we just, just discussed. Marcus Erickson has obviously been made an offer to stay. Haven't heard anything from him about whether he will. I don't expect him to, but again, we'll see. Thing that I've heard today from multiple points, and many of them very solid sources, is that there will indeed be a Swede driving for Chip Ganassi Racing next year, but that would be Linus Lundqvist. And so I've heard nothing to suggest that anything's done, but I have heard this from a few different angles and places today that led me to say, huh, I know the Meyershank Racing Team, which has run him the last two rounds, has certainly... <clears throat> been very impressed and I'm confident Linus is uh, or was I don't know what tents to use exactly uh, someone that they might be interested in running with in the future 2024 is what I'm referring to at least for what uh, today's barrage of info has suggested it's that We'll still have a Swede in the team, but it might be a younger version uh, pairing with Polo and Dixon. Haven't heard anything yet on Marcus Armstrong uh, in that 11 car, but I, of the things I've heard, I've heard nothing that says he is signed and staying. I'd love it if that was the case, and I'd hope that would get to be the case. Maybe he already has. I don't know, but... <laughs> If you're telling me next year's Chip Ganassi Racing lineup is nearly identical with Dixie, Pillow, and Armstrong, and I think Armstrong's really shown something of late, um, and you're adding in, potentially, a young Indy Lights champ who I, I think has definitely made the series, everyone in it, stand up and pay attention on his first two runs, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I'd love to hear their standing pat holding on to Marcus Armstrong. I don't know if that is the team's decision so much as it would be Marcus's decision. And again, I've heard nothing to suggest that's the direction he will go. But yeah, boy, uh, my eyes lit up when I heard that for the first time and then the second time and then the third time today. And I'm like, wow, uh, yeah. Stay tuned. We'll see what happens here. <coughs> Other thing I've heard repeatedly today, 
I've actually heard a lot of things today, but uh, I'll just limit it to this and then we'll get rolling with your questions. Um, other thing I've heard repeatedly today is Jack Harvey's time in that number 30 RLL Honda might have come to an end. Um, time that I was hearing this is getting a little late in the day, a little too late to reach out to the team. Uh, did reach out to the driver in question, rang four or five times with the voicemail, left voicemail, haven't heard back. Um, been a long time fan of Jack's, right, since his Indy Lights days. Uh, kid's a hell of a driver, just had a really rough two years here moving over to RLL. I don't know if this is true or not. I can tell you I've had a number of folks tell me it is. Um, we'll see what happens. I'd love for Jack to be able to finish out the season and hopefully over these last three races give some other teams uh, a glimpse of the best version of himself uh, to hopefully get hired to lead you know, a uh, Dale Coyne Racing or something like that. But if not, man, just my heart will really uh, be sad for the kid. What have I heard about this? I've also heard that the car being kind of on the fringes of making the leader circle, earning that almost a million dollar guaranteed prize money contract for next season where you got to be in the top 22. Um, they are unfortunately flirting with being on the outside of that. And so I've heard, again, can't tell you if it's accurate, but I've heard that that might be part of the, the thinking to try out some different talent here, do a little bit of a talent evaluation. Right now the car would be 23rd on the, uh, the entrance points, um, and only the top 22 get those contracts. Um, for what I've heard, Connor Daly might be getting uh, a chance to drive the car at the next race, that being the 1.25-mile gateway oval. Connor being darn good on ovals, going into a car that needs all the points it can get to uh, try to earn that leader circle contract. Can't tell you if that's true or false, but it doesn't sound like... How's this? If that were to happen, it would make sense. Uh, have also heard Toby Sowery's name, who tested with the team. Uh, young British kid, a lot of talent, uh, hasn't had a lot of opportunity of late, just uh, lacking in uh, funding, but tested for the team, I think, impressed them. Uh, have heard he'd be in the car for one of the two road races to close the year, and Yuri Vips, who's tested for them a couple times, uh, might be in for the other one. So, heard that playing out that way, one or two different, forms uh we'll see um and i'm not kidding when i tell you there is so much other stuff going on silly season wise that uh yeah i'm struggling y'all <coughs> i don't know how much more voice i'm going to have let me mash the throttle on your questions here all put together by our pal Jerry Siddeth, I don't have the voice to make this sound, but this will be the official transition into your questions. There we go. The dumbest sound ever, and of course I embrace it. Um, Grizzle asks, how is the Mastodon show? Yeah, I was supposed to go to that last Thursday. Them, Mastodon, the Mega Monsters Tour, them touring with my favorite French progressive metal band, that being Gojira 
and I had to miss <laughs> it the second time around too. So yeah, I just suck, but work called and uh, I'm out here to work and I had to put work where it deserved to be, which was top priority. So yeah, uh, I don't know if they're ever going to tour again, but maybe uh, one way or the other, I'm going to see both bands uh, individually if I have to, because this just, this has to happen. Uh, Gel29 asks, why doesn't Mike Hole get any respect? Mike Hole being managing director of Chip Ganassi Racing and Scott Dixon strategist. Um, I thought Mike gets a lot of uh, credit. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think he gets lots of respect, lots of credit. Um, he and Dixon obviously uh, worked a strategy that was really, really good. Won him the race. So I think he gets plenty. How's this? I've never heard anyone downplay him saying he's not good. Uh, he certainly has the record with Dixie to prove that he's good at that. Um, Jeremiah S-C-H-N says, MP, what or who can be credited with turning RLL around? Uh, I think I better do shorter answers on these because, again, uh, I don't know how much longer I'm going to last. It's now 10 o'clock. Um, there are some stars within RLL, in particular on engineering side. The main thing I've heard is a lot of very good folks who were good before, but a lot of really good folks have banded together who are already working crazy amounts of hours trying to turn things around, but... I think the, the cohesiveness, the bonding that's gone on while missing the mark and then having to recover, I think that's where we really have to give the credit. Um, and there are a lot of folks involved here who've been central to this, but this involves buy-in. This involves a group of people saying, okay, man, uh, this has to get better. And those folks agreeing that they're already exhausting themselves, but they're going to push even harder. So I need to do a more in-depth story about this. Um, the rest of my week is going to be flat out traveling. I'm going to be, I mean, I'm in Indiana. By the time I get home Thursday night, maybe around midnight, I will have been in a completely different state in a different part of the country. So yeah, between now and Thursday, I'll be in two additional states. So things are pretty busy. Uh, then the, I'm going to be flat out through the weekend. I'll be home for like three days, I think, and then off to Gateway. So I hope to find some time uh, to knock something out here just because they, I mean, they deserve all the praise possible because they've done such an incredible thing of normally, uh, and I mentioned this to Scott Dixon in our post-race uh, victory lap uh, beer drinking fest, like normally when a team kind of poops the bed to start the season, they all at some point in time hit the panic button recognize oh man we missed it and every team more or less says okay we got to start the rebuilding process that usually involves let's get to the last couple of races of the year last two or three maybe four but end of the season you might start to see some improvements uh, but really it's the next year where you're going to see that turnaround going on they hit that panic button, and within like a month and a half, we're winning a race. That being at Toronto with Christian Lingard and Poles and Graham running so well. And <coughs> this is 
really something that deserves a lot more appreciation. So I hope to do my part here soon, Jeremiah. Uh, Dave Heisen say so with no positions to gain or lose, Ron Hunter Ray and Peter Graham Ray Hall, and I lost my poop. Everybody n- knows what's going on. Am I missing something? Grace and clean means just that. Um, I'm not sure what you mean by everybody knows what's going on. And I'm serious here. Um, let's come back to that leader circle stuff. Uh, that number 20 Ed Carpenter racing entry is currently 20th in the entrance. So two spots or just two spots ahead of the cutoff where they would lose the leader circle for that. Um, where this is problematic though, is the gap to fallen back is really slim. Like it's a really tight group here where, whether it's the 20 car, Augustine Canapino's 78 entry, the 60 entry being driven by number of folks this year, the 30 at RLL, and so on. Like, there's a whole cluster of, of like, what, one, two, three, four, five, six cars within nine points, right? Um, yeah, I realize that Ryan Hunter Ray was probably not going to be moving forward, but uh, if there was a yellow, and there's a wave around, and he's able to get a couple extra passes done at the restart. It's only helping them in the leader circle. So we're just in that phase of the season where it might not, I don't know, it's probably like, come on, man, just give up. But legitimately, a lot of these folks who might not have anything really to live for in that race on that day, they might not have anything that stands out as being of value, but we're in that phase of the season, Dave, where that leader circle, for any of those who are in that leader circle question, uh, boy, it means a lot. Um, Lawrence Cunningham, so awesome to see you um, this weekend, pal. Says, does Joseph Newgarden win the Cartoon Anvil this week? He says he was late for weigh-in, then lost practice time as a result. A grid penalty for an engine change after not so good qualifying, then gets caught up in a first lap accident. Yeah, uh, and I also hope that, <laughs> I mean, there were like three different ways where if favoritism was being showed to Joseph, as the conspiracy theorists love to suggest, there were three different ways that those, that, could have been done this weekend right uh hey he wasn't late for practice time uh uh those are not your droids uh i mean there could have been a little bit of trickiness there grid hey there's no uh fifth engine put there no everything's good and hey forget all the other cars get him going first no matter what as fast as you can get him out of that accident make sure he doesn't lose a lap like if we're talking about getting the the secret (coughs) bat phone call from uh from on high this could have happened multiple times but didn't and as a result (coughs) he unless miracles happen uh he's basically done in the championship so yeah hopefully we can put all that nonsense together Uh, right turn lever Uh, what happened in alex below's last stint according to the timing and scoring i followed he set some blistering laps early on then his lap times went south was it a rare Palo mistake? Maybe he was cooking his tires, attempting to close the gap to the battle for P3. Was it podium greed? I think you're onto something here, RTL. 
because reading Alex's post-race comments said that they really struggled on the preferred alternate tire the final stint. Couldn't get him to work, couldn't get him to last. And yeah, what you're mentioning here, pushing too hard, cooking them a little too much, too soon by going too hard and not having the duration them lasting, um, sounds like that lines up with uh, what he was saying after the event. Eric Franklin, you're up next, and who else? Uh, ben Cohen, you also asked about this. Uh, you say, again, IndyCar takes way too long to clear a yellow, and this time it changes race strategy to allow for one less stop. Can we please get a committee going during the offseason to reduce the length of yellows? Well, <coughs> excuse me. I bet Scott Dixon would say, you know what? Uh... If the Indy Road Course second round is an example, leave it the way it is. Works just fine for me. I hear you. I, it did seem like cars were cleared, things were good to go, but that yellow went on for a little while extra. But that was just a little note that fell into the back of my head without any further follow-up, so I may be totally wrong. Ever told you that I kind of always assume whatever I think is wrong? It's not because I lack confidence, but I'll, you know, <laughs> in very few instances do I ever say to myself, yeah, man, everything you're thinking, everything you know is 100%. Like, yeah. Uh, so I may be totally wrong here. Um, I should probably drink something because I know I sound like hell and uh, uh, you deserve better than that. Has that helped in any way? I don't know. <clears throat> Mama G-Force. At Mama underscore G-Force. If you're on Twitter and you are not following at Mama, M-A-M-A underscore G-Force, um, you're missing out on some of the nicest, warmest, most passionate things a IndyCar fan gifts to the world. She, Cassie, truly one of the best additions to my life and many folks' life uh, over the last couple of years. She's just, she and her husband, Craig, they are truly, they're just amazing. Got to spend time with them, many other members of the Prue Day. Saturday night, courtesy of my guy, Chris Wheeler, my co-host of the Racing Family Show at the Foyt Wine Vault. Um, yeah, boy, that was awesome. I figured I was going to do a little flyby, stay for about 10 or 15 minutes, and... Uh, then I left at about 11.35 p.m., so uh, truly so glad that I ended up staying, unless it was one of y'all who got me sick, therefore, boo. Uh, she says, can we chat about the future of a shared Brickyard weekend? Says, the buzz among IndyCar and NASCAR fans alike was that this was a farewell. She says, hashtag me personally, <clears throat> I've never got comfy with the guests in our own own home vibe. So I won't shed a tear if it goes away, <clears throat> but I can't deny attendance seemed great this year. That's an interesting one, Cassie, on the attendance part. I thought it looked a little soft for us on Saturday, at least for the IndyCar part. Um, I could be wrong, though, but I it my eyes seem to recall May's Indy Grand Prix being a little bit stronger attendance-wise for us. But again, I could be wrong. Um, we're aligned 
to the millionth decimal point on the never being comfy with a guest in our own home vibe. Uh, I've probably bored people in the IndyCar paddock to death, whether it's drivers, team owners, mechanics, whatever. I've said something along the, this for as long as the shared Brickyard weekend has existed. This will never feel right with us being not just guests in our own home. We're the warm-up act to the warm-up act at the place that made us, at the place that created us, our name. I'm saying our because some of us have worked in the series, invested our, much of our lives into it, whether it's from a professional standpoint or as fans. This is what made us. IndyCar, Indianapolis, this is where we come from. It feels so strange every year to be there for the Indianapolis Grand Prix in May, followed by the Indianapolis 500, where everything is us. And it is so strange to come back in August or whenever and see fences erected everywhere. Not just, And I'm not talking in Gasoline Alley. I mean the common areas, so that you as fans who are accustomed to walking past the pagoda towards the main pit entry point, no, 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 there's fences walling you off from getting close to the cup cars and the garages, and there's a security guards in these little, uh, next to the fence, and you can only go through and get up close if you have the right credential, and there's just this general feeling of, no, 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 no. This ain't for you. And yet, this is ours. And I'll, I'll, I'll never feel any different. But this is us and our home. And so the thing that frustrates me to no end, and the reason, Cassie, that you and I will be, and others probably feel the same way on this topic, is this. It's one thing if Sunday is a six-hour broadcast window on NBC. Hey, we're opening up at noon. We're going to have an amazing IndyCar race. And after three hours, we're going to cut to the NASCAR race. And we're going to put on the race there. And it's this big broadcast window where it's a celebration of everything. And it's great for all of us. And everyone's being uplifted for it. <coughs> that ain't what happens, y'all. We race first Saturday afternoon. And then... The Xfinity, NASCAR Xfinity race. So again, we're not even the 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 warm-up act. We're the warm-up to the warm-up. <coughs> Made even worse, we're gone by the end of Saturday, right? You're, we're, not, we're not even welcome as a series to hang around, get out of here, pack up, leave. At our own home. Um, yeah. I'll just close on this, and this will be this week's little mini rant, hopefully. It's one thing if this event brought great ratings for us, or great attendance. I'm unaware of either of those things being brought to IndyCar as a result of being on this Brickyard weekend. The one thing it does, which is the only reason I can think it exists, is it gets IndyCar another race and cheaply. Not every team's based in Indianapolis or the greater Indianapolis area. Got Penske, North Carolina. Half of Foyt is in Texas. Dale Coyne is four hours, three hours, whatever it is, north in Illinois. But by and large, this is a stay-in-your-own-bed race. And it's 
gets another race on the calendar without costing teams very much. I get it. But damn it. <laughs> like, what I'd rather hear is going forward, it's going to be a combo IMSA IndyCar weekend, right? I'd rather hear about IMSA being a six-hour race into darkness uh, on Saturday and then wake up and let's go racing again Sunday morning, late morning race, something like that with IndyCar. Like, hey, let's remember when they had the glamping thing, which was supposed to be popular however many years ago at Indy? Like, let's do that. Come spend the weekend at IMS, right? Come stay over. Race into the night. Have fun. Barbecue. Do whatever. Wake up the next morning. We're going to have an IndyCar race to close the weekend. Come spend your weekend with us. RVs, tents, whatever it is. I'd rather do that because <laughs> that just speaks to my soul a little bit more than no, 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 no. You're, uh, you're not really even, you're not even the num second most important uh, part of this event. Um, all right, I'm going to hit the throttle and see how many more we can get through here before my voice says F you. Um, Dan Mayhew, you're asking if we'll see uh, IndyCar return to more NASCAR-owned ovals. I mean, I'd hope so, but I doubt it. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of invitation to receive competition at their track, so I realize that the oval brickyard race has morphed into a road course race that brings IndyCar along with it in the last couple of years, but uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of reverse invitations coming, so I'd like for that to be the case. Just doesn't seem realistic. Dan Werderich, say, MP, is this the silliest of silly seasons that ever silly seasoned? Uh, you say, in all seriousness, uh, going forward, if I'm not watching a race or a session with cars on track, and I hear Pelot's name, I'm getting popcorn before reading. <coughs> yeah. Um, I do love Alex, right? Uh, got to know him when he came over as a rookie. It was really sweet. Mentioned that... While he was in Japan in the Super Formula Series, he started listening to our show here, Week in IndyCar Listener Q&A, to learn about the series. Joined the Prude Listener Group, which formed here. David Malukas joined as well. Ran a couple of stickers uh, last weekend's race for uh, John Wojnar, who really was kind of the, the founder of the Prude Listener Group. Um, like, just awesome and amazing. But there's just this side to Alex that I didn't see beforehand. Um, but there's this, like, stone-cold killer, like, where you go, whoa, you're, like, all smiles. He has the best smile, right? Close your eyes, think of Alex Pillow. You think of, like, just a big smile and happy. And then you read about all this other stuff, and you go, like, man, like, I don't know if you've ever seen that old show on, I think it was Showtime, called Dexter. But, yeah, uh... There's this, like, hey, hi, big smile, and oh, yeah, all right, we're tossing body parts overboard uh, out in Biscayne Bay or wherever. Um, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Just bizarre. Uh, it, it's almost like he has an evil twin. If IndyCar was a soap opera, and it doesn't have to be a telenovela. It can just be an old-school American soap opera. This would be the script 
of the nice, smiley, warm, and fun one. But then there's the one doing evil deeds, cutting the brake lines on the car where the rich grandma and grandpa went over the cliff to get their inheritance. Like, just think of all that stuff. And there's, like, I can just as easily imagine a evil Polo twin doing all the bad stuff. Um, it's just bizarre, Dan. And it's not new. We saw this last year. But, uh, I mean, I spoke with a friend of mine who's worked with him, and he was like, yeah, to be honest, I kind of saw this somewhat early. Like, really? He's like, yeah. Not necessarily like the doing the, you know, the stuff, the unsavory things, but just like this two very different sides. Yeah. Uh, I prefer my people to be linear. Whatever you are. If you're a jerk, just be a jerk all the time. I'm good with that. But the whole like, hey, how you doing? And oh, by the way, I'm going to stab you when you're not looking. Like, yeah, that's, I'm not saying he's stabbing anybody. Just saying the whole, wow, polar opposite. Um, That's been the thing that's just been hard to reconcile. Thought it went away. And then we're back where we are last year. So, oh, the the media scrum coming up at Gateway is going to be an awful lot of fun. Um, Ed Joris, you're asking, uh, uh, do we think Taylor Kyle had anything to do with talking Alex into staying? Um, I'm not saying he couldn't, but I, yeah, I, I don't know if I've heard Taylor associated with anything specifically. You also say, uh, when does Pop Awards contract run out? And I don't know the answer to that, but I've heard, I've only ever heard that he has a long contract. Uh, like he's going to be there for years upon years. Uh, but you say, uh, when does his contract run out? And is Chip vindictive enough to make a run at him when it does? They say Pato hasn't looked too happy recently. Um, making a run at Pato when he's available, assuming that we still see this super high level of talent being displayed, um, I'm sure Chip would because that would be in the best interest of his team. Um, Pato hasn't looked too happy recently, and I'll admit, I went into this weekend thinking there's no way Aaron McLaren fails to win. Like, it's so overdue. Um, Rossi's damn good. Felix is damn good. Pato is damn good. And yet again, some mechanical problem with Felix's gearbox knocked him out while he was running well. Rossi just got knocked around in general. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I thought this team structure really pointing everything towards engineering first. I really thought um, this was going to be a case of them just being a raging success with this reconfigured team structure. And I don't know what the correct approach to take here is, Ed. Is it that the other teams have just been doing better? And therefore, Errol McLaren's been, you know, close on a number of occasions, but not really all the way there? Or are they just underperforming? I mean, (laughs) keep in mind, Pato finished third last weekend, so it's not crazy. And I'm just looking here now to, to get an accurate count. He's finished second, second, fourth, second, third. Third, third, so that's one, two, three, four, five. He's got six podiums this year. I mean, that cannot be explained away as not being competitive. 
he was a rocket at Texas the first half or whatever, you know, exactly things turned over towards Joseph Newgarden's side. But you know, winning has been within their grasp more than once, and yet they have indeed found ways to not win. So Pato's fifth in the championship. Um, no way in hell he's winning the championship just because he's so far behind Polo at this point. But uh, we can't mistake results for being their reality. Um, Alexander Rossi finished fifth last weekend, right? I mean, thought he might have had a shot at a better finish, but still did a really good job to finish fifth. Uh, and, and yet, they were not in Ganassi's league, with Dixon at least, or RLL's um, league as well, with both Rahal and Lingard. So, just, it feels like a win should have happened. Multiple wins should have happened. And it feels like they could win coming up here at some point in time, but... If you just think quickly to close here on this topic, Pato has been near, there, close, or something. There, thereabouts um, for a while. And I think it's the frustration of that that is probably making things difficult for him, right? Uh, in his first season with the team, finished fourth in the standings. In 2021, his second season, won two races, bunch of podiums, finished third. Third season, two more wins, but somewhat distant seventh. No wins this year, but a pretty impressive clip of podiums. He's currently fifth. Could improve, obviously. He could get all the way up to second in theory, but there is no way he is catching Polo. He's a, I mean, I'm general numbers, 150-ish points behind Polo. There's only 162 left uh, to, to maximum to grab this season. So, uh, yeah, I think it's that. Year after year after year now, finishing his fourth season with the team, where I realize as high as third, Again, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th. At some point in time, you do that enough times, Ed, and you're like, they could all be, they may as well all be second places. That would actually make it worse. So I think we're, we're dealing with something in that range of like, I'm tired of being so close, yet so far away. Raymond Wong, uh, you say, with Alex Plone and other contract situation, does this make uh, every team wary on dealing with him in the future? Um, yeah, of course, right? Uh, there's no situation that Alex has demonstrated as something he considers to be final. I've agreed to do this for this length of time, and you won't hear a peep from me until I'm done. Um, this is the second time he's, you know, tried to wriggle out of something and appears to have been successful for the second time of wriggling out of it. Um, and yet... This is a guy who is so talented that if that's the price of doing business to have him and win those races and potentially a championship, um, most teams, the ones who really want to win and can't wait, 
uh, they will put up with it because, yeah, the downsides, it's drama, it's messy, it's TMZ stuff. But the upsides, um, hey, we're going to the front and we're going to spend a lot of time there. Um, Chris Kalewick, say Marshall with McLaren, basically admitting they signed Pelo to a contract while he was under contract with Ganassi. Does IndyCar take any action against McLaren? Um, here's the part that you mentioned that I really appreciate. Uh, you say, if they allow this, that being IndyCar, what's stopping other teams from doing the same in the future? That's the part where I really do hope IndyCar, we don't have this kind of stuff happening here very often. To be honest, the most recent examples are all around the same driver and the same two teams. I think in both instances, I can't really think of anything Ganassi's done that would be considered wrong, bad, or otherwise. They fought to hold on to their guy who they had under contract last year and refused to back down. And um, uh, They, as I understand, have signed him again uh, while they had the right to do that. Um, and there's certainly the question, you know, whether it's tampering or tortious interference or whatever the phrase is. Um, is that something involving whatever he might have signed or McLaren might have signed with him? Um, I don't know. I'm not saying any of that stuff is accurate at all. Just saying I've <coughs> had some folks say same kind of thing. Is this tampering or is this, again, I don't know, not a lawyer, but we don't have this stuff happen on any kind of regular basis. I'm not saying this is the first time it's ever happened. It's just a rarity. So over in F1, they have the CRB contracts recognition board. They developed that because this was starting to happen a ton. And it wasn't just drivers, but it was jacking each other for designers and engineers and aerodynamicists and blah, blah, blah. And so it got to be pretty messy. That, so they said, hey, uh, we're going to implement this to not only have an independent panel review contracts and decide who's the winner and who's the loser and getting, you know, person X. There's also, I think, a bit of a, a, a warning. Hey, yeah. Uh, you think you're going to be doing dirt in the dark, guess what? we got a, a dedicated new panel to uh, to judge this stuff. So don't think you're just going to get away with it. Bit of a deterrent. I hope we don't have to do that, Chris. I really do. Um, this stuff doesn't need to be that complicated. But yeah, same two teams, same driver, two years in a row. Uh, I don't know if McLaren will just back down and let it go. Um, we'll find out if this gets legal and litigious and whatever else, oh boy, you know, to be honest, if Alex clinches a championship here, uh, it might be the only entertainment folks have, but I don't know if this is what I would consider to be uh, good entertainment for the brain. Um, Josh, you ask, uh, with Pelosi and Ganassi, but what about NTT? Well, NTT left last year, Josh, so they haven't been with the team, um, they're a part of Aero McLaren, have been this season. NTT, no longer involved with Ganassi, nor have they been since the end of 2022. Uh, Mark Sanchez, how does the Zach versus Chip storyline end? Who is the heel? Any chance? Uh, you'll serve special guest referee. Is this rivalry good for the sport or a black cloud to the series? Um, seem to recall a very wise man once saying that in racing, hate is good. Yeah, I hear you. I just wish this was interesting. I don't know if I find this interesting, Mark. Um, this, to me, is is more like uh, 
super wealthy people fighting over, uh, uh, yeah, uh, a, a star employee. Is that what gets people going? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I know in F1, it sure seemed to be something that brought a lot of intrigue for a little while. Last year, between McLaren, Alpine, uh, Oscar Piastri and such, that seemed to be a little bit of something. And it's gone around a little bit there. But um, the fact that this isn't new, the fact that it's the same people, that's a part, Mark, where I do wonder, like, is this like, oh, let's dive back in. I can't wait to see more and hear more. Or does the average person go, come on, man, again, same thing? Um, I know that's my reaction. I don't know if that's the common reaction, but if we were hearing about name two different teams and a different star driver, maybe that would be at least a new wrinkle. This just feels like we've gone back in time. I don't mean like a time machine. I mean like... Haven't we learned anything and improved from this exact point in time last year? Nope. We're doing this again. Same exact players, same exact routine, but kind of in reverse. Instead of trying to do a jailbreak to get out of the contract with a team you don't want to be with to go to the other one, now you're trying to do whatever kind of jailbreak or whatever to stay with the team you're at and not go to the one that you fought like mad and created this really kind of muddied, sullied thing. Uh, to make happen last year, like, yeah, um, <laughs> this to me is just like a, let me up, I've had enough, um, yeah, I don't know if, I mean, how's this hate is good, sure, if there's one thing to come out of this that I found new or amusing, it was Chip Ganassi's statement, and Chip's like OG, right, like, he is serious, O-G. This guy, successful, wealthy. Why am I mentioning his wealth? I'm mentioning his wealth because this is a person who dictates the terms of his life. He's not beholden to anybody else. What should I do? When should I do it? I don't know. I'm afraid. I don't want to piss anybody off because I might lose my paycheck. No. He is his own person. Um, he is not going to back down to anybody. And then you throw in the fact that this is going against Zach Brown, who he legitimately hates. I mean, they're, they're, the mutual dislike society that they're members of is real. Um, if this was name another team owner going after Polo, I think this, I don't think Chip would back down or relent in any way, but I think there would be a, a more pure angle to it. Pure meaning, hey man. Uh, we've been racing together for a long time. Um, this isn't happening for your sake and mine. Please just right back off. This is our guy signed to us. Let's just, let's just end this before it becomes a thing. I think that phone call happens here. No, this is Hatfield McCoy's. This is digging in. Uh, this is trench warfare since it's Zach and chip. Um, I'm hoping, for our sake, it doesn't turn into that. But keep in mind, Zach <coughs> is all the same things as Chip. Wealthy beyond belief. Big, powerful organization behind him. If he wants to keep pursuing Polo, whether it's through legal means or otherwise, 
and assuming McLaren doesn't say, hey, dude, cut it out, we lost him. Um, I mean, this could rage on for a while. I wouldn't pretend to know who would win. <coughs> but I don't get super amused by stuff like this. Uh, because this is just two super powerful and wealthy people fighting over things that most of us can't relate to. Um, Grant Stouter, yes, what the heck is going on at McLaren? Very messy. Uh, I won't go too in-depth here just because my voice is truly on the way out. And uh, yeah, that's not good. Um, wrote a story today about some people leaving on their way out or have already left. And I've heard a couple of those were firings, which, you know, um, it is what it is to quote Juan Montoya. Um, there's some culture changes that I have observed at the team and culture changes I've been hearing about for a while now that especially with the loss of Taylor Kyle, um, this was once upon a time a very family-feeling-oriented type organization. My hope was the involvement of McLaren would take that really rich and built-over-a-long-term culture and elevate it with means, right? Sponsorship, money, engineering R&D, all the links to all the cool stuff that the McLaren Technical Center back in the UK Take the good thing they've built here in the U.S., add a lot of things on top, and watch it elevate. Um, I fear, Grant, that a lot of that amazing culture that made the place really amazing to work at, um, I fear that that might be at risk. Because some of the folks who have left or are leaving are glue people, really hearts and soul type people. And I'll just, I'll stop there, but um, the kind of things that have nothing to do with wing angles and camber settings and tire pressures where you go, well, yeah, but those can't really influence a team's success, can they? Absolutely. Culture within a team. How people are feeling about themselves, feeling about each other, trusting one another. Someone says, hey, I want to try this, I want to do that, or I'm going to do this in a different way. Does everyone buy in, or do people go, all right, whatever, even if they think it's a wrong thing and don't speak up? Just saying, you know, none of these are specific examples of anything, obviously, with this team, but just when everyone's fully invested and bought in, has each other's back, the vibe is good and right, culture is strong, it's... You will never find a front-running, championship-winning or championship-caliber team that is team dysfunction, right? You might get a couple wins here or there based on an extraordinary driver or engineer, but the ones who are getting the most out of themselves as an organization, those are the ones that are winning perennially. The ones that aren't, you can spot all the problems very easily. And all it takes is one or two people with a bad attitude, bad this, bad that. Here you go, yep, poisoning the well. I'm not saying any of that's going on here. I'm just saying, look, man, I've worked for a lot of teams and a lot of different series. And the best ones where we had the most success were the ones where 
brotherhood, sisterhood, non-binaryhood. It was just, we loved being together, and we held each other accountable, and we did a pretty decent amount of winning. And the ones where it was just dumpster fire, it's where the culture was wrong, culture was off, uh, wrong people in the wrong places, crazy pressure expectations from whatever areas are on the wrong things. Like, there's nothing new here, y'all. <laughs> there's nothing new happening in the IndyCar paddock in 2023 that didn't exist in terms of how to do it, best practices, 2013, 2003, 1993, 1983. There's a way that works and a way that doesn't. And I really do hope the really good folks at Aero McLaren understand that, boy, um, you've had something really special. Please do whatever you need to hold on to it if any of it is at risk. Uh, what do we go about Brett Keys, MP? Uh, Gateway's a couple weeks away, but wondering if you've heard any chatter about how teams are feeling about having to use softer alternate tires for the first time on an oval. Haven't asked, but I will. That would probably be something that I write early next week, Brett. So um, <laughs> don't hesitate to send in a note for next week's show, even if it's not a question saying, um, hey, Jerry, please remind our dear idiot host to write that story he said he was going to about what teams are thinking about the alternate tires for the first time on an oval. Because I just might forget. Uh, Mark Graham, you say, at what point will Marshank Racing bring engineering and shock development in-house? Current partnership with our engineering partner is not exactly showing front-running results. Yeah, it's not on Andretti, right? <coughs> this past weekend was one of the closest alignments between Andretti and Shank that we've seen in the final results. Kyle Kirkwood was ninth at the checkered flag. Linus was 12th. Best finish of the year for that number 60 Meyer-Shank Racing Honda. Um, the MSR team needs to get more out of itself uh, to make better use of that engineering technical alliance with Andretti. So this isn't a poor information from the mothership thing. It's a, when provided with good information, what's our decision-making tree? What kind of feedback are we getting from driver A, B, or C that leads us down the right path or the wrong path? Or, right, I mean, the numbers themselves don't drive the car. Uh, it's the driver obviously putting in the work, but also the, the combined in a relationship with all the different engineers uh, and coming up with the best way to take the car forward from session to session uh, and then strategy in the race as well. So I can tell you that within the Shank team, because I've asked, there's an absolute belief that they've been getting great stuff from Andretti. They just have to do better with what they get. Um, where do we go next? Do I think we're almost done here? Yeah, we're almost done. Uh, Dave Bell, MP with a new layout at Nashville. Do you think that the bumpy transition on the bridge could be an issue with a longer run up to it and higher speeds from turn one? Um, potentially, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't want to see them like flying over the jumps, the bumps here, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the simulated increase in top speed would be because, yeah, uh, in theory, they are going to be rocketing over that bridge like never before, but uh, I don't know. Um, but it's a great question. 
Uh, Barry Lee, MP. Be interesting to see at season's end a correlation of total time spent in the pits compared to how a team placed in the standings. Ever seen this before? Yeah, actually, there's a, a kind of a running thing that IndyCar does at each round of uh, pit lane performance. Who spent the most time, who spent the least time, and yeah, uh, you are spot on. <laughs> Rarely do you have a team that is spending the bare minimum of time in the pits uh, having poor championship finishes. So um, remind me, maybe right after, actually, I was going to say right after the season finale in Monterey, but uh, my wife and I have uh, some pretty heavy uh, consults we have to go to in Atlanta. Um, but Remind me soon after the uh, season ends, Barry, and uh, I'll try and pull that up and um, actually give you a educated answer <laughs> by staring at the information in front of me. Uh, we're going to close with a kind note from the amazing Jeremy Davis, the world's number one Scott Dixon fan. So there's no question, just a huge thank you, MP. Uh, got to see uh, meet finally he and his daughter, Claire. She's just uh, a little little bundle of divinity right there um he just he says some really nice things about what but stuff that i do for fans and the prudayers and whatnot and i mean all right this is gonna sound i don't know what but like legitimately the thing i've done for my uh, most of my life since i was like 16 years old i think is work in racing as a mechanic as an engineer as a bunch of things back in the day uh, that more or less came to an end in 2001. I did probably through 2010. Was still doing stuff, but it was just select spot things here and there. But really, I've been on this media thing for, what, I think about 2006? Halfway through 2006, maybe. And for the majority of that time, it's just been me and, like, Robin Miller, right? As, you know, sidekick. Um, and going to these events... And having fun. And usually when I'm covering the sports car events, it's just by myself. But at least the IndyCar stuff, it's been me and Miller for a long time. Obviously, we lost him a couple years ago. Uh, anniversary, I think, is right around the corner here. But um, never really had Jeremy, like a real kind of almost traveling family. And it seems like every event I go to, there's someone from the Prude there. Um, even if they're not members of the Prude, maybe they listen to this and just listen to it and stop me and go, Hey, listen to the podcast. That probably happened 20 times this past weekend, which just blows me away. And I realize I make this for people to listen to it. So it shouldn't be a surprise, but like, I just got to do a thing and then move on to the next thing. Cause that's what work is. But like, it's, it's really just become such a blessing, really a true blessing to me and then the fact that even at the events where there might not be much in the way of prude folks it's so many amazing people i've already mentioned cassie and craig run down the list jason hatfield run terpster last weekend we didn't get to see christy Pradena, but she's just like this unstoppable fountain of of warmth and positivity and <clears throat> lawrence cunningham got to see him <coughs> and so many amazing folks, Ryan Caminiti and Steve Bonick, and uh, my voice is pretty much gone by now, but Ryan and, uh, gosh, all kinds of 
amazing, amazing folks. Alex Williams, of course. I mean, again, just run down the list. So many people that I get to see, and it's just this beautiful thing. So I'm sorry if I'm, I'm running on here a little bit, but I've done this for almost my entire adult life. And for the vast majority of it, the the experience, since it's all travel-based, is being on the road and your teammates are your friends, your people, your little tribe. But again, it's work. And I still go out to dinner with driver A, B, or C, or old friend, engineer, mechanic, whatever. Right? It's all love. Beautiful, amazing people. But this has just been the reality for a really long time. Or it's, hey, you know, a lot of nights just spent by yourself in the hotel room, um, yada, yada, yada. So this amazing layer that you, Jeremy, and so many others have brought into my life is kind of a traveling family. And it isn't work. This isn't, hey, we're old friends because we were teammates here, but actual, no, you're just an immensely sweet and giving person who loves racing. And that's our bond. It's been a beautiful thing. So I'm I'm genuinely so thankful for you and so many others who uh, just are gifts to my life. All right. I need to shut up. I need to try and get some bed. I got a lot of stuff to take. It all has like PM in it. Tylenol PM, uh, Mucinex PM. I don't know. In theory, all this stuff is going to have me waking up in about a month from now. But uh, I need to do that. I apologize that my voice is trash, and probably most of what I said was trash, but um, hey, silly season, it's not only not over, it it feels like it's barely started, Uh, buckle in, there's more coming, Um, I look forward to speaking to you soon.